The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. And we are back with parts of the Perth Football Podcast. Before we start talking about the MPL men's, we've got a special guest uh, to talk junior football and all things Red Star. Um, I don't know what the title is right now, except for all-round good guy and terrific fashion taste. Uh, Mark Scanlon. Mark, how are you? Are you well? I'm good, thanks. I don't know about good guy, but definitely fashion taste. I'm sitting sitting here, for those that can't see, in a... Uh, Oh, they can see. Oh, they can see. The people might be listening on the podcast, though. So for those <laughs> listening at home, all six of you, uh, it's a Brazil 98 uh, Ronaldo home shirt. So oh, The original Ronaldo. Oh, phenomena. Oh, phenomena. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Did he just slag us off by saying we've only got six listeners? Hello, Mark, by the way. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Sean. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Look, good, it's going to be eight thanks this for week. Us. It's going to be eight because my parents are definitely going to listen to this as well. I was going to say, you get mum and dad listening. That's how we usually bump so our numbers It'll be mum well, and dad, and then it'll be Robbie Redstar and his family. Yeah, yeah Robbie, Robbie's <laughs> going to Robbie's going to have to listen to this to make sure nothing bad said by Mark. So uh, we'll make sure Robbie's got plenty to do. Mate, Mark's already done more than me because he can get both of his parents listening, and I can only get Die Fry listening. I still haven't converted Chris yet, so you got to just tell right, Chris you've been doing, doing some triple jump, Sean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he doesn't care about that. It's just middle to long distance running. That's it. Uh, well, look. Uh, anyway, someone who's not doing as anywhere near as much long distance running because you're actually playing technical football. So, look, Mark, we've got you here to talk juniors. Um, before we start slagging off the entire institution and the concept that it is, um, tell us, mate, like your your story, your, the the coaching, and 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 where you see junior football right now, especially in the backdrop of the the mighty Matildas. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? By the way, the actual just the general level of interest in the game at the moment is phenomenal, and I really hope that. As a game, we can come together and we can probably capitalise on that and unite and and approach the powers that be, you know, to to secure the funding and the resources of the game. So greatly deserves. Um, junior as well. Where do I start? I mean, if, if I could take it back, um, for those that don't know, previous experience, uh, I've been part of the NTC program with Football West, and then when that became the NTC Perth Glory program, I was lucky enough to coach the 2000 and 2001 born age group. So some good players in there, players like um, Jacob Taliano, uh, Bryce Bafford, Zimmerino, so pretty good age groups. Um, and then 2016, came across to ECU Junilup. I've had pretty much every position at ECU Junilup. I've coached all the way from basically eights through to seniors. Wowzers. Um, so I've done a bit. And then a couple of, well, I've had three, three opportunities as state team coach at nationals as well, which has been pretty cool. So yeah, I've, I've done a fair bit of junior, a junior work. And then I've been TD as well. I had three years at TD. What's the coolest part about um, coaching juniors? I look, I do a little bit of coaching every now and then, again, nowhere near to the same scale as yourself. And there's always that cool re- eureka moment where where the, the three-year-old gets it or the seven-year-old gets it or the nine-year-old tries to step over and is very, very brave and it pays off. But what, what are the moments or the coolest parts about junior coaching for you? Coolest part, it's probably, and I hate to call them juniors, but I would call some of my under-20s juniors because they're so young. Um, but I put... Um, I put my right back on on the weekend on right wing and he had two weeks in Bali. He's come back in terrible shape. He's come back with some new tattoos and the kid hasn't scored for about three years. So I put him on on the weekend and he was definitely offside for the goal, but he scored. And like just the face on the kids. I mean, he's 18 now. He's still a baby in my <laughs> eyes. But like he scored a goal and it's brilliant. And like Robbie Redstar, again, I keep calling him Robbie Redstar, Robbie Anderson. Um, he got the camera out <laughs> and he's taken some brilliant photos. And just for me, like the joy that comes from scoring a goal, like it, you never get sick of seeing that. What, when you're looking at junior players, Mark, um, obviously it helps if they have good technical ability and it helps if they are quick, um, particularly at certain age groups. But what, what is one thing that you're really looking for in terms of maybe the, the mental aspect of the game or is it just an instinctive thing that, that really stands out to you when you're trying to identify these players who can perhaps progress through the system? 
There's there's probably some like intangible qualities. You'll see someone who's dynamic, someone who's got something special. But I think it really comes down to close control decision making and just bravery. Do they continue to try and get on the ball? Are they trying to, you know, even if they're under pressure, are they taking the ball under pressure? Are they looking to take it with both feet? Are they looking to take risk? You know, are they look, looking to take opportunities to play forward passes and, and take a risk basically? And I think well, I've, I've been involved in a lot of trials, whether that's at you know, Glory, ECU or State Team. And honestly, advice for parents and kids, first round of trials, if there's a huge amount of kids there and your son or daughter is given an instruction to help with the nets and pick up cones, trust me. If they help with the nets and pick up cones, we notice. So it's just the little things we're looking for people <laughs> who are coachable, you know. And if basically from our first interaction with players and you get a bad vibe because they're not assisting or they're not listening to instructions, that's not going to help them further down the line. So, look, there are the intangible, you know, the, the magic, but also you're just looking for some basics as well, you know. So Yeah, the, I think that's a really interesting point because there's there's a couple of things well there's actually sort of two points in there and one that i probably love the most is the personality thing like the uh you you know you want a player that's going to want to help out other people whether that's his teammates or whether that's others like there's that personality and like jürgen klopp has this sort of rumored like no dickhead policy at liverpool now where it's like you might go through tough times and then not every season is going to be successful but you're only going to be signing players that are going to want to work for each other and and want to work and play for a team and so yeah it's it's just incredible that you identify that at such an early age along with that that trait that bravery that you mentioned which like Kalichi and I've talked for years about players that can be can be fantastic players technically brilliant um but then in big games or or when the pressure's on in a big game that they won't be making that little dash to get a little one, two with the center half to give them a bit more space. They'll, they'll hide a little bit. And it's, it's not that they're necessarily play. They'll never play a bad game, but you want those players that will go and take big games in those moments by the scruff of the neck. And it's, it almost sounds like that's sort of what you're identifying that those personality traits, like at a very young age. Yeah, we want people who want to play football. They want to get on the ball. And, and I think if you, if you take it back to basics, when you're running a trial, you would hope that everyone is there presenting their best selves. So for them not assisting with, you know, packing the bibs up, packing the goals up, collecting the balls, if that's them at their best behavior, what are they going to be like through the season? Or what are they going to be like when <laughs> yeah. you take him to nationals? And that's been something that... Or they've been benched. Or benched, exactly. Like, it's, it's going to well, be yeah. a symptom of... I mean, again, that's them on their best behavior. So if on their best behavior, they're not assisting or they're not listening to instructions, how are they going to be in July when it's pissing down with rain and we've asked them to take the net down? I mean, to be honest, getting mm. my under-20s to do anything is like pulling teeth most weeks. But they're all good kids. Um, we, we've tried to, you know, like, you are going to have personalities and people go through phases, but... For the most part, like we'll identify that kind of behaviour quite early on, and those are people that we don't really want to work with. So, I just wanted to sort of touch on that a little bit more, actually, in terms of um, obviously you're somebody who's done a lot of coaching at various levels. Have you? Is there sort of a notable, noticeable change in attitude of the current player as a player to a, a player maybe from from ten years ago? How do you feel that the? I don't know whether it's anything to do with like the social media age and the way that the kids sort of follow their idols now and they watch football, whether they watch it in little snippets and highlights as yeah, opposed yeah. to watching the whole game. Um, have you sort of noticed a change in attitude in terms of the way kids consume their football and as a result they they behave on the pitch and and the way they're coached? Basically, is as Jose Mourinho correct? Yes, I would say that. I mean, it's it's funny. Like we had something called huddle uh, when I was technical director at the club, and so all the games from 13s through to the under 20s, and and then even into the first team, all the games would be analysed and made available on the players' huddle accounts. And there were three types of players. There were the players who would watch the game in t- in its entirety. Some of them would watch it twice. There were people who would watch. 20 seconds of footage. And is it just their own highlights? Oh, they would get, all, the, all they were looking for is a dribble or a goal to go on TikTok and Instagram. And then the third category were people who were like, what's huddle? So there was always people like, they're super invested or they're only invested in, like they've had a shot that's hit the crossbar. And then people like, I don't even know we had our games filmed. So um, yeah, it, what I will say, I've noticed a change certainly in the last four to five years is the technical ability coming through juniors, I would say has improved. Like the, the level of ball control and things like that has definitely improved. Tactical awareness has improved, but some of the fundamentals like tackling and heading 
have probably gone backwards in my experience. Why do you think that is? Uh, <laughs> we creating too many number te- too many number tens. Yeah, I, I think as well. Like we're creating players inside uh-huh. one system. Like, oh, I'm a number six. I'm a number eight. Well, what if I want to play a, a three-five-two? Then what are you? As opposed to whole footballers. Um, but also, I, I, I think mm. as well. Like heading is a skill. Um, it's a dangerous skill if you do too much and you don't do it correctly. But I don't think our young players get enough technique exposure to heading and doing it safely throughout the week. And also as well, I think you find like it may be a symptom of some of the coach education, but you know they'll play out from the back and everything is nice and neat through coaches that do their C license and into the B. And then on the weekends, you know they might not even deal with a header during the week in training, and then on the weekend they're under a high ball because they're playing a team that's going long. So yeah, like some of the fundamental core skills are probably missing because I don't know if kids are doing enough free play. They're not playing enough in the streets. They're just doing structured training and maybe isolated practice. So, look, but in summary, issue, there's, there's... I would say, like, technical, Sorry, ability, do your summary. technical ability in the tights, really good. Tactical awareness probably is, is improving uh, year on year. But, like, tackling and handling and things like that. And, it's like, more rounded street footballers and instincts probably been lost a little bit. So, Kalichi, I was going to say I'm going to have to apologise here because this is this is one of the most interesting uh, <laughs> chats we've had on the Perth Football Podcast. So, well, I, I don't want us to run over, and I really do want to get into the uh, when is it finally time for Floriot to panic thing. Um, but I've, no you know, I've just got so many. Qu- <laughs> I've just got so many questions for you, mate. And, yeah. and one, I, I guess, and look, everyone that's listens probably knows I love a, I love a quick dig at Ronaldo. Um, so I'll, I'll weave one of them into here. But you, you talk about the personalities uh, a lot, as, as as we've just talked about. And but are there just players? And there must be because if you're just if you're basically putting a lot of weight on that, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo might not make it past the first round. Yeah. Um, so there must just be players that are that good. Shout out to Chris um, Jackson. And, and then when... W- <laughs> when- <laughs> Again, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> the great man. Um, but, but yeah, like when you come across those players yeah. uh, and, and maybe they just get funneled off even quicker and you, and you don't even uh, get to them... Um, but if you see a player like that, do you think, uh, like I will try and nurture that and, and try and yeah. develop him as a person? Um, or do you go like, okay, we've, if that, this is who we're getting, you know, people don't change. We'll, we'll just, yeah. Well, how do you deal with a player like that? I think, and it's a, it's a good story. And, and, um, look, I spent, I spent a fair bit of time with Kenny Lowe. Kenny Lowe's got a really good way of addressing this. He, he talks about, you're going to, there's three types of players. You're going to have leaders, you're going to have followers, and you're going to have terrorists. Wow. Um, so you're going to have those. So, like, for instance, if you go back to your example, like, <laughs> you've got someone super invested. If we use Ronaldo as an example, Ronaldo is probably going to be a leader. He may have a detrimental effect on some players, but ultimately he's, he's heading in the right direction. His head's in the right place. His heart's in the right place. Uh, you're going to have followers and then you're going to have people who get you the sack, which is terrorists. So I guess it's fine of, can you identify the difference between a leader and a terrorist? Because some people, like leaders will be outspoken. They'll be passionate. You know, they may come across as a problem. Some of the actually, best leaders in the world have been terrorists. Correct. But, well, I was going to say, they can be both, right? And like, yes, that's time, right. Yeah. You can have a player that's a leader and turns into, like if yes. you look at, not to pick on the guy anymore, he's probably not listening to this one. If you are Cristiano High. But like the the fact like first when he was first at Manchester United, absolutely a leader, this desire to win, and then but by the second time he comes back with Ole, you're thinking like he's he's probably a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. Look and look, you're speaking to uh, you're speaking to the choir here. I'm a United fan as well, so I think the Ronaldo that left United <laughs> is different from the one that returned. I think he he arrived at the club as a follower. He arrived into a very powerful dressing room with many leaders, not just the captain in, in Roy Keane. You know, that was a terrific dressing room. Learned from the best, left as a leader, and then probably came back as a terrorist. Mm. Um, be- oh. Before we make this into the Cristiano Ronaldo hour, Shaunton, um, <laughs> I do, I do want to ask, what are some of the things that we can actually do to improve junior football because I think that there are some things that Red Star have done and some things that clubs like Balga are doing which are terrific initiatives to to not necessarily keep football at its working class roots but to make sure that there is access for everybody um, and one of the things that I really don't like about the sport is that you are now seeing basically like middle class families who can afford $1,500 a year 
to play football. And that just sounds like a crime and feels like a, a crime to myself, especially someone who grew up in the worst street in New Zealand and needed all this assistance and help. And someone who was seeing the benefit it's had in my life compared to some of my friends. One of my best friends was uh, arrested for aggravated assault at 15. And the only reason I wasn't there was I was playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing, <laughs> see, legitimately speaking, right? So seeing, seeing, that, <laughs> seeing that stuff happen and then going, oh, well, look, there's actually kids who are here who are very talented, who have the opportunity, who don't have it. Um, and, and seeing the fact that you guys or, or EC, I'm not sure if it's I do it right now, but EC in the past have done it. Um, what are some of the things that we could do or you could address or you could sp- speak about or inform to say, look, this will actually help, tangibly help junior football? Uh, Aside from the parents who are yelling, smash it long and yeah. boot it and hoof. <laughs> yeah. and, Get um, rid of it. <laughs> look. There is that, you're 100% right, there is that aspect of, you know, they're looking at performance, they're looking at results in juniors as opposed to development. So, look, changing that culture. We don't want participation trophies though, Mark. No, we don't. But also we want to encourage (laughs) bravery on the ball. We want to encourage technical ability, you know, the the running and the jumping and the kicking and everything. And I'm going to say it like I've contradicted myself here because I said that they're not good at that. Um, But some clubs will over-prioritise the physical side of the game and getting the ball long and not taking risk. And then I guess we're maybe at the other end of the spectrum saying, take risk, please. Like we create, and what I like to think as well, is we create a high risk environment, but it's high support. So we want kids to take, like, we want them to take risks on the ball. We want them to keep the ball. We want them to dribble. We want them to show that they've got a trick or two up their sleeve. Take people on, you know, enjoy your football play with a smile on your face. And if you make a mistake, well, you're doing what we ask you to do. So if ultimately it falls on the coach, if I tell you to play a certain pass and it gets intercepted and they go and score, well, that's on me. I asked you to play the pass. Like we want you to take yeah, risks. We want to try, th- play, try play the right th- way as we see it anyway. I think, I think it's also a, a lot easier to develop that physicality later in life than yeah, it is absolutely. to develop that technical ability, right? So yeah. you, you're better off learning how to play and focusing on that. And then, you know, if you've got that ability, people will notice that and scouts will notice that. And if you get picked up by somewhere, then it's like, well, go in the gym for three months and yeah. you can pick that, pick up that that bulk. Like uh, Jaden Gorman's a great example, I think, um, in, in the local leagues of, of a guy that like just had that bit of technical flair. And then the next year I saw him, he's put on about 15 mm. kilos. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're right. And look, I wear two hats because my day job, I'm a exercise sports science lecturer. And the, <laughs> the way... The way I look at it is like when I've got a young player, like I'm going to look for decision making and technical technical ability first because, you know, six months I can get anybody quicker and stronger. I could reach that potential genetic ceiling in terms of physicality. But if you don't learn that technical stuff and the tactical stuff at a young enough age, you know, in that skill acquisition phase, you're not going to be able to teach them at 18, you know. Yeah. Jeez, imagine if I'd ever reached my potential genetic ceiling. Far out. What a world. In terms of, of the club itself, Mark, and Red Star, um, you're obviously the coach of the under-20 side at the moment there. So so can you tell us a little bit about the group of young players that are sort of coming through the club at the moment, below that first team, which will obviously come to on the mo- come to it in a moment, but um, it's been a very successful season, uh, a past couple of seasons really for both the men's and the women's team. But can you tell us a little bit about the 18s and, and the 20s and the 21s on the women's side, perhaps, and, and some of those younger players and, and the prospects coming through at Red Star? Yeah, well, I think it's it's no secret. I think ECU Junilup was known for giving young players an opportunity, and I think that's probably that's probably why they've had thirty something players turn professional that came through and, and played first team at, at ECU or came through the academy there. When we changed, or you know, we merged with uh, with Redbacks. I mean, we were kind of kindred spirits. They've been doing the same thing as well. You know, they've been giving young opportunities or young players opportunity uh, to play senior football and and hope that they use that as a springboard to go to the next level and. It's no secret that we have quite a young 20s and 18s. That's kind of by design. It's We kind of want to accelerate and see how see if we can get people in into the first team when they're teenagers. And I think this year, I think we've had eight or nine of my team play first team this year as well as, you know, play week in, week out in the under 20s. And it's not just a token five minutes off the bench to waste time. Like we've had players start games. We've had Theo Leeming. We've had Sonny O'Shea. Mm. Like we've had people try and like, I think Theo might have started six or seven games this season. So for a 15-year-old, I think that's pretty good. Um, and yeah, Sorry, what? Yeah, Theo Leeming, he's 16 in November, if I'm not mistaken. So I've got, he, he, as got, I mentioned, got, I've got, got three 15-year-olds in the under-20s. So. 
He got the ultimate MPL experience, receiving an absolute bollocking from John O'Reilly as well. Armadale, yeah, his first start for the first team was Armadale away. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Ballard left back, there. absolutely yeah. creamed him in a tackle first time he went near the ball. Welcome I mean, to the MPL, son. Welcome to senior football. I mean, he made his debut at 14 the year before. I think he's the second youngest to make a senior debut. I think Ben Hinshaw would be slightly younger when he played, when he was 14. That seems yeah. like eons ago now. Yeah, that doesn't get you off when you go down a little bit easy uh, against John O'Reilly. It's, uh, the, the, the age doesn't come into it. Well, I think John would maybe have considered if, his, if he'd lost his legs below the knee, then he was diving. <laughs> I think if, if he'd been cut in half at the hip, then it was probably okay. It's probably a foul. That, 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 seems, that seems to be the uh, consensus down in Armadale, let me tell you, from uh, being there a few times. We obviously get to go to a lot of the MPL men's and women's games. Um, I obviously do a lot of the commentaries, uh, Sean's commentaries as well, and, and Cliche's often at the games. And we often get to see a lot of the back end of the 20s games because yes. usually we just do the first team. So in terms of the, the league itself, obviously we, we know that Red Star are doing quite well at the moment um, and obviously setting the glorious side who've got an abundance of talent. Can you tell us about some of... Uh, maybe some of the other teams at the 20s level who are coming through, who are perhaps um, teams that have players coming through, who are, who are some to keep an eye on in the next couple of years, you think, having seen them? Uh, so if I, if I think through the 20s, and the 20s league is so hard to gauge properly because you, you, it's a unique environment where you're affected by first team. Yeah. And you're in a unique environment in terms of like players will come down to get minutes. Now, sometimes players will come down to get minutes and they're disgruntled or they've been cast aside by a senior coach, or they're coming back from injury, or they've been on holiday in Bali. So to gauge the quality of the under-20s is really difficult. Um, I mean, you can take it to the 18s if that's easier. <laughs> I see the first half of the 18s each week. That's about it. So like, I would say in the 20s, like there is some – like Perth Soccer Club have some, some players that I quite like um, who may be contacted in the off-season. Uh, no. <laughs> don't, don't get fired. No, no, scratch that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, look, there are, there are teams that play like Perth Glory are the benchmark and have been for a long time. Um, and then below that, it's pretty much the same. It has been pretty consistently like us, Bayswater, Perth. Sorrento have been up there as well, haven't they, a little bit? Sorrento have been, and I think they've fallen away. I think Sorrento um, have had, over the previous years, they've had a few, they've been bolstered a little bit by a big first-team squad. So they've had some players playing down in the 20s, which always helps. If you've got someone with a huge amount of experience next to you, you, they can coach you and guide you through games. And I think if I look at Sorrento's 20s this year, they probably haven't had those players come down and, reinforce the 20s so that's probably a consequence of and maybe would explain where they are and i'm gonna let you freestyle a little bit on on this one because i know you've got plenty to say mark but um if you were hypothetically a, a technical director potentially like sort of at football west or you had an opportunity to put your skills to a higher level what what would be one thing that you'd look to try and implement um that you think would be a real positive in terms of helping to bring through that next um batch of west australian juniors um that can hopefully go to the top and, and represent um the, the country and the state in 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 leagues around europe well, and just and have national a good professional teams. career as well yeah. I, th I think at the moment and you were right in what you said earlier it, it does feel a little bit like pay for play. So I guess if anything, if, if this was a hypothetical situation, I would have the ability to go and like basically rally everybody together and, and approach local government councils and things and look for investment in infrastructure and just make the game far more accessible than it is. And the one thing that I would really like is more cage football, more street football, more unstructured practice. Like I understand that there's a lot of like there's a lot of businesses out there making money doing isolated stuff and doing one v ones and small group stuff and like fair play to them because they're making a living. But also, what happens to just playing against your mates, like putting jumpers down for goal? And again, it sounds cliche, and I'm not that old. But like, what happens to just playing? What happened to good old days? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> what, where, when I was a boy, like, no, like honestly, like, how often do these kids just play against their mates now? Like everything's so structured, and it's like just let the game be the teacher. Like we want people trying to nutmeg each other. On bitumen. On bitumen. Maybe not on bitumen. But like just, just like <laughs> no, on, on, of... on bitumen as well because Musso Dumbello, who played for Spurs, one of the yeah. best technical players you'll ever remember. I do remember. Grew up playing on the streets, and the reason why he cannot shoot is he would say, "Is where we played. We played on the basketball court, <laughs> yeah. And the and the objective was to stop the ball on the line. And you can see it in his style of play, where he was so strong, so hard to get the ball off, could pass, could dribble." 
couldn't shoot to save his life. It's unreal. Yeah. And it's probably as well, because if he was playing barefoot, if he shoots, he's going to scuff his toes on the bitumen. He's going to cut his toes. So I understand why he wouldn't shoot. That does make sense. There is some transference of skill there. No, I, it's, look, it's, if, so, if I it's could. such a great example of it's such a great example of how uh, the the skills that you develop as a junior translate to how you are as an adult footballer. That was well, isn't it? Yeah, and like the the love of having the ball at your feet and, and the joy of of trying to nutmeg your mate and things. Like I, I do think that there's is a lot of structured practice. Like how many kids are going out and just having a kick about because they enjoy it. It's it's it seems like it's got to be. Well, I've got a session with this company, and then I'm doing this program, and then I've got club training, then I've got school football. What happened to just like going mm-hmm. down the park with your mates? and trying to bend one top corner like David Beckham. Well, look, our 10 minutes of uh, junior football has now turned into 20, so we'll get straight into the MPL men's. But I, it has been an, an amazing I, 10 minutes. I, I, do, I just do need to ask an even more important question than any that Tommy just asked you, Mark, and that is uh, snatch, goodwill hunting, or saving Private Ryan? See, I heard Ross's answer to this the other week. Uh, Ross Edwards when he was on the pod. I, I'm a listener, gonna... one of the eight listeners, Sean. Yeah, yeah. He was one I was just going to say. I'm one, of, I'm one of your listeners, yeah. Um, look, I'm going to go with Saving Private Ryan. That's, oh. Yeah. I mean, I like that. Oh, I, like, I like Dags. Yeah. I like Dags. Like, like Snatch is a great, great movie. Good Will Hunting, I can take it yeah. or leave it. I think I've seen that. I think I had to watch that for school. For it's because you're the smart guy, oh, right? Well, that ruins yeah. anything. That ruins anything, though. That, that's that's a little bit of, I've got some bad luck here that you've watched it at school. Because yeah. anything that you have to analyze at school kind of gets that that tint. But I, I love this because it really leaves Kalichi in the lurch because no one's picked Snatch yet. But both both competitors were like Snatch very close second. Yeah. So he's, he's got a real bad break here. But unfortunately, Kalichi, n- nothing on the scoreboard for you. Sean, mate. Um, what have we told you about people? Oh. <laughs> How, what's that, they, Sean? Uh, they like Coldplay and they voted for the Nazis. You, yeah, can't, you can't trust people, Sean. You can't trust people. <laughs> what you can trust, though, is... Now you oh, yes. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Oh, girl. Yes, we've had quite a few naughty boys and girls uh, this week. One is actually a Sunday League special uh, involving my beloved North Perth United, so we'll talk about that later. But um, the first naughty boy we want to talk about in the MPL was uh, the Perth SC game against the Kingsway. Did anyone uh, see the red card that happened there? Tommy, you've seen it. You're smiling. Yeah, it was... It was if you are looking for the definition of a second yellow card... Um, <laughs> when a player is sort of almost being held in the corner and, and then most needless challenge He's going not nowhere. come in, um, then, then Max Blackshaw, um, that is the absolute nailed on definition of it. So look, um, it's one of those ones. It's a bit of a shame for Max because he's actually come in at Perth and he's, he's done pretty well. Um, I think he's been playing in the defense there regularly and, um, has been a, a good part of what Perth have done in the second half of the season, but a little bit of a misstep there. And um, unfortunately for Max, he's going to miss a week. 2004 state team as well. Max Blackshaw played for me, played as a striker in the first game against Brisbane Raw. So oh, he's not wow. just a defender, he can play up top. And you're obviously talking about the tackling skills that we're lacking here, and it's uh, on, on show with a player that you coach. I can't comment because I haven't seen the uh, the yellow card, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, but basically, yeah, um, Labib Labib has, has played through down the line, and he's literally going nowhere. The score's 2-0. He's going on the right touchline. He's dribbling down the line, and Blackford just comes in and slides from behind. And you're like, what are you doing? And um, I, think it was, uh, I think it was Stuart Beattie, the referee, um, I'm pretty sure it's Stuart. If it's not Stuart, Stuart, I'm sorry. Um, Stuart Beatty just like, like just flabbergasted at, at what's happened here, especially because the guys are a second yellow. So he just gives him the yellow card and goes. Um, but what I did want to say from from that game was Labib Labib looked like he made the absolute difference um, for Kingsway in that second half. He came through. He he won a penalty. Um, he was involved in Tyler Gardner with Tyler Gardner with that second goal. And he's one of those players, and I think they've got four or five of them now where because of the style of play where they move it left and move it right, they can find you in pockets where they can isolate you one-on-one with a recovering fullback or backtracking fullback or with a winger who's, again, not been trained to tackle. And now you're 1v1, you're about to enter the box, and it's just, it's yeah, it, it's, it's almost curtain. So terrific showing from him. And um, Kings wound up with a 2-0 win. Anything to add to that, Tommy? And a shout-out to Davey Keenan, who saved a second penalty in three weeks. Um, he got down to... Uh, stop a penalty from David Ninkovic when the score was 1-0 to Kingsway at the time. 
And then um, not content with just making one save, Keenan got up and made a second block. So a great double save and obviously a game-changing moment because Kings were able to go on and get a second goal. And it basically means that they've cemented a top four spot now because Perth and, because they're four points clear of Perth and Bayswater, who were joined on points in fourth and fifth. But Perth and Bayswater actually play each other yeah. on the final day. So it would take a remarkable turn of events for Kingsway to miss from here. Um, and I think, um, look, we've spoken about them before on the pod. They've had a great season, first season up. And, um, yeah, congratulations to Tuffy and the team. Also, shout out to Karen Byrne for getting another goal. I think he's been on fire since I accidentally called him David. Um, but in, 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 <laughs> in, in, in saying that, I had him in my um, team of the year where you only pick one player. And I got told that that team would get relegated, which I, I, I didn't appreciate, especially when you've got a striker who can score goals like uh, like big Karen Byrne. Um, the the next game with a with a naughty boy Sean and I were at Sean uh, do you remember the long ball that Collie played through that got held up in the wind as Daniel Benny ran through on goal and poor poor Jordan Dane who like like all good fullbacks we absolutely hate trying to find the ball as it's floating in the air and there is a guy who was half your age and twice as fast as you just streaking streaking past you um benny rides rides a challenge he skips past crags fire swords goal and you and grant who's been an absolute stalwart for the club but has had one of the most injury plague seasons i can remember um ball hits his hand like ball hits his hand he's two mm. yards away from goal it's a dog zone which means we get to play this song as well sean Sean loves his dogs, oh, mate. So, yeah, oh, e- easy call, right? I love my dogs as much as I love you. It's a red card, Kalichi. It's a dogs, though. And you can't really compl- like you feel you feel harsh for them because they literally just started the second half and it looked like a nothing ball from Collie, but. Again, mm, I, no, no disrespect to Jordan Dane. There's no, there's, <laughs> there's no uh, clause in the rules for the, it was in the opening couple of minutes of the half. <laughs> yeah, there's no context applied to the bookings, is there? It's either it's dogs or it's not. It's been a couple of oh, couple I tell, of those. I tell, you, I tell you, there are there are there are early red card challenges that get downgraded to a yellow because it's in the first five minutes. So I, I think that does exist. Are you telling me that referees are human? No, I, th- I think so, mate. I'm so sorry to tell you and to all our listeners. I thought they, they go are, back they into the cupboard until they're needed. And <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about referees later. A <laughs> couple of those this season for um, for Coburn that, that could prove um, critical in the final shakeup. Obviously, Jesse um, Lazaro had a handball that was um, off the line a couple of weeks ago as well. So, uh, look, I suppose that the mm. thing for Coburn, I know you guys touched on it on, on the full-time whistle, but from Coburn's perspective, they're still 10th. Um, they're still out of the bottom two for now. And they still very much have it in their own hands as a result. And um, we'll talk about it more in a minute. But that Inglewood and Coburn game this weekend is oh. an absolute monster at the bottom of the league for both teams. At the top of the league, it was 1-0 for Red Star with uh, Chok Dao uh, giving them the lead. He, he worked really hard. He, he, chased a, he chased a nothing pass. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was Cornish yep. who, yeah, unfortunately yep. just didn't have enough on the back pass. Chock slips in, goes past the keeper, scores the goal, and then starts cooking a celebration that I am not sick and tired of seeing. And again, another person, <laughs> another person who I said deserves to be in the team of the year because of the season that they've had. Not a dig at Daryl, which everyone's going to be upset at me about. And and again, this is almost Daryl's fault for having incredibly high standards and scoring over thirty something goals last year. I just think that Chock has had a better season than the two. Um, Mark, you could make that argument. Um, I, th- I think if you look at all-round contribution <laughs> to a game, Chuck will have more of an effect because he will touch the ball more. But Daryl is just so he does, the, he does the important touches. He does. Daryl just so clinical and, and lethal. So like, lethal. You forget he's there, and then boom, it's one 0 And there's so many times oh, over was the years was where the, he's done that. Yeah, so every so game he's I cheating. Go down to the Coburn game, so he did the same thing. It's just like at that one touch, get that one goal, and then it's just ices the game at that moment that it's needed. It's yeah, it's freakish. Like Daryl as well. Like he'll just kind of he'll maneuver himself around the pitch, but he won't make any explosive movements. And then you'll see he does like a double movement where he comes alive and he'll go to the ball, drop it short, and then he's gone. And he does it so so well. Like he he accelerates and decelerates so quickly to give himself the space to turn a defender. And it's just like he he does nothing, then boom, he's alive, he's off. But yeah, I, and again, I, I 
I'm not saying that Owens hasn't had a good year. He has had a very good year, and like again, consistent to his level. It's we, just seeing seeing. It, I think Chalk has taken a, uh, another step in I his think, in his play. I think Chalk is too good for this level. I honestly, I can't believe he hasn't been given mm. opportunity at a higher level. We have to ask you while you're on on Mark. Um, obviously, we, we mentioned it before, but it's not just this season that Red Star have been. The, the team they are, they were fantastic last year, and they um, if it weren't for Bailey Brown, Montgomery's late intervention, then Red Star would have won the league last year. So what has been the key to the consistency at the club over the past two years? Because there has been a little bit of change. Obviously, Kenny was around, and and then obviously Cam- Callum had to come in and replace him. He steadied the ship, and and this season as well, you've you've sort of had to manage a couple of players being out. Like I think Ryan Lowry's been out for for little periods as well, and you've had guys that have just been able to slip in. Tommy Hoff, who I love, great player. He's um he's missed most of the season. I think he got injured in round five or six. So, what is it about the consistency of the team that that's really stood out for you over the past couple of years at first team level? What I think we've got, and this is credit to the coaches that come previously, and it's not just back to Kenny it's probably back to Dale as well is we've got a core of very good senior players and we've got a core of players who've played at a higher level and we've got a core of players who when it comes to Saturday will set such a high bar that you know if if seven of them have a good game then you've got a really good opportunity to win and like we have as we mentioned previously we've got some good kids coming through and we've and we've got as well we've got people who understand where they are in the pecking order. They might not be a starting 11 player now, but the way the club is, has always been is we'll give players an opportunity. So you might be player 14 now, but next year you might be a starting 11 player. So there's patience is probably what I'm trying to get at. Like we've got people who've, like we've got kids coming through the club who are due a testimonial. They've been there 10 years and they haven't made a first team debut yet because all they want to do is play for the first team. So we have like a really good core of senior players and then we have players coming through who just want to play for the first team, even if that's five or 10 minutes off the bench. So it's a consistency there. Like our, our attainment year to year is 80, 90%. You know, very oh. few people leave and very few people come in. You know, we have a core that kind of stays together and that helps culture massively. And uh, and. I have to ask you. I know. I know he's one of Sean's favourite players. He's also one of mine as well. But Andy Higgins is just—he just gets better and better. Oh. I, I don't know what it is about him and his. Don't get me started. Just, Imagine how good he'd be if he actually had a preseason. Andy had uh, had, a, had some time <laughs> off earlier this year, and I think he's now finally fit. It's round twenty, so Does, look, he's unbelievable because he's just so clever, and he's so like he's actually far stronger than he looks as well. Like the guy will lay five hundred bricks and then come to training. Um, he's got a wand of a left foot. Like he's in insane shape. Like it has to be a wand if it's a left foot as well. Oh, is that, you, you can't have a left foot and not have a wand. <laughs> can't have a wand of a right. Especially foot. if you're number when ten. Are we, when are we getting on? Or it's cultured. It's cultured. Yeah. Uh, we've got one more game to talk about, mate. So we'll look, we'll, we'll go into the other top of the table. Well, other game that had an impact on the top of the table, which was the two-two between Bayswater and Sterling. Um, game sh- like kind of went crazy and shot into life in the second half. Um, Asher Nelson had a little bit of a twinkle toes towards the left-hand side and finds Calvin Whitney for a lovely volley to finish. And again, Sterling, the team of one nil is plenty. Um, you'd think that the game was over there, but Bayswater actually play really, really well. They have like a ten-pass play in combination. And the uh, the little guy and the big guy combine, and the big guy sends across to the little guy, and the little guy scores the header with um, Samuel Day getting an, an, a header and doing the worst celebration in football. But, bro, you keep scoring goals, so <laughs> got to send you love. Um, but then Whitney and Nelson combine again, except this time it's reverse. Um, Whitney sending across for Nelson. I think it's an 82nd minute um, big-time header that happens there, and he gives him the lead, and then just a nightmare moment um, for, for, for Christian Yankolovsky where a wicked cross from Sparta comes in and he just misjudges the cross and guess who's there Dogs to in. potentially give his best mate a league title by scoring. It's uh, it's it's Gordon Smith, mate. You reckon he picked up the phone and gave Daryl a call and said, man, I scored, I scored today. Uh, it would definitely be in their little group chat that they've got, a little <laughs> Scottish mates group chat. That, uh, Robbie Redstar's probably in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a. Um, it takes a, it takes a lot to rattle Tommy, and I think you've just rattled Tommy there. <laughs> it's a great result for Bayswater because it keeps them in the top four race. Perth are still have it in their own hands. I think they're still fourth. So um, all eyes on that round twenty two game as mentioned before. But that's a, a body blow for Sterling, especially after coming from two goals down as they did the week before against Kingsway. They would have had that renewed hope and that fresh belief. Uh, Bayswater have been pretty decent since Gary Williams has come in. I think they've only lost once in five or six games. So 
they, um, they're a team who are certainly on the improvement and certainly going to be difficult to beat in a top four game later in the season. But, gee, it's a missed opportunity for Sterling, isn't it? And um, it feels like I've said this a lot this season, but in terms of turning points and when was the league won, when was the league lost, that's maybe something to do as a debrief at the end of the season. Um, but this is certainly a result which hands Red Star the initiative now big time. I mean, they've got one hand on the title, but... I still think there might be one more twist or turn left. There's going to be at least two. Like if we go back to, <laughs> two? you mentioned like last year, like we were league champions for about 42 seconds. Like our game had finished against Coburn up at, up at ECU. And then 42 seconds later, <laughs> Bailey scores against Armadale. So trust me, like I was actually messaging <laughs> me and um, Deej Pesesky, obviously he's Sterling captain, but I've known Deej nearly 10 years. We were messaging each other Friend. the other week. Oh, football friends. Um, football. Oh, but, not another football friends. Oh, we? we can't have any We've got a football friends group chat. Are you guys not in it yet? Um, anyway, um, so Deej was saying, like, he, he said to dig. me, Deej goes, like, bro, like, it doesn't seem like anyone wants to win this league because anytime someone pulls away and gets some kind of advantage, there'd be, like, mm-hmm. a late equaliser somewhere. Like, I'd hate to be a gambling man, like, try and pick the league this year. It, it's, um, yeah, it's been a remarkable season to cover. And uh, we've said it before, just the fact that the, the team at the bottom of the NPL is on 23 points is, it is literally um, something we've never seen before. And who was that team on that yeah. bottom, Tommy? Well, it's Floriot now. Um, oh, well done, it's, Kalichi. It's a good transition from you, Kalichi. So many times there for you to jump in and throw to me uh, when they're talking about how hard it is to pick the league, Kalichi. And, uh, so I'll give you the opportunity now. What do you mean, how hard it is to pick the like, league? Did Sean pick Floriot at the start of the season? No, I did. No, 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 just, just cut this out, Kalichi. I mean that, like I, that I've said it's, that it's done. Oh, you, yeah, you've picked the league title. Yeah. So you think it's done? So just so so you so just cut back to where you where we left off where I just threw it to you to say like I'll give you the opportunity now. Yep. And you can say, Oh yeah. That's uh you've you think it's yeah, yeah, you take it. Oh yeah. You think it's done, don't you, Sean? I I think it's done, mate. I think it's done. No more twists, no more turns. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll try Here and, comes I'll try the Perth football podcast well. curse. I think I just think that's it. I, th- I think the the body blow that 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 uh, result is for Sterling, it's so hard to overcome. Like Dayan is recording just, this just and a, playing it before kickoff. Oh, he can please, and if he can do it and make this title race exciting, I am all the more excited for that. Like, I, and this is what I get people talking to me. They're saying like, it, I'm I'm as excited as about Flory getting relegated as I am about them winning the league, and it's. It, I am. It's just, it's all part of the great football narrative. And I just, it, it is incredible. But yeah, I, if, if we want to move on to Floriet, this is, I'm just going to throw it back to you guys and say, is, is you'll it appreciate this, because I did, I did the sneaky journalist thing where I actually never said it was time to panic. I just kept asking other people. And now I can say, I've been asking this question since round four and no one's given me an answer that, but like I asked, Tommy, week after week, it's like, well, no, not quite yet. And I asked Ross Edwards and he said, no, I don't think so. And I asked Nova and Nova said, no, I don't think so. Mate, there's two games to go in their bottom. It's like, it's been time to panic for a while. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely time to panic. But also, Sean, they're, they're, they're six points off fourth. <laughs> right, like, like you could you can understand how it, it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of the time when people were like, "Hey, is LeBron James the best player in the NBA?" And everyone's like, "Nah, he's no longer the best player." And then he goes and wins the title. And no one has since, like, since 2017, no one has since opened up their mouth to be like, "Oh, he's not the best player in the NBA." <laughs> They've said, "Oh, he look, he, mm. he's, he's he's not quite there yet." And I just think that people don't want to be made to look foolish here because, legitimately speaking. It is not mathematically impossible for them to finish fourth. I think the I think the bizarre thing <laughs> is come on. They're not yeah, going to go finish on, fourth, Sean. No, I was just yeah, going to. I, <laughs> I was just going to say. I think the bizarre thing with Florida is is 
considering the last few seasons that we've watched them, they've obviously been at the top. They've obviously been in cup competitions and performed really well. And they've had players with real X factor. The thing that staggered me is the fact they've only scored 24 goals in 20 games, mm. that which is an extraordinarily low total. And I know they've missed Bailey Brown Montgomery and, and Robert Petkov in periods. They're two and big Shemarki players. Shemarki just hasn't had a good season. And that and that and they've yeah. also had Nick Ambrogio away at, at periods as well, who contributes goals from midfield. But that that mm. was, that is a staggering figure when you consider that they are a team who, in previous seasons, were able to rescue draws out of perilous positions, i.e. the game against Bayswater last year where Bayswater led three goals. times. They could, just, they could just score goals. And we all know that, uh, you know, offense wins you leagues. That's what won <laughs> in the league last year. And now they've lost it. Do you, do you know where they're, they're relegated? Uh, do you know where the captain was this weekend? Tell us. You know where he was, Mark? Was he in Europe? <laughs> Is he on holiday somewhere? Yeah. It's really sad because I'm like, there's no way you, you plan this, right? Like he's recently just got married. He's probably on his honeymoon and he's posted this lovely video of him like making pesto. And Jace, love you, mate. And I hope the pesto was delicious. But goodness gracious <laughs> me, you might feel sick if Florida get relegated when you come back let, from your holiday. Let me let, let me also let me also throw in there the like I, I had this uh, chat with Jesse Lazaro uh, when he had his uh, holiday booked during the cup final. And like at the level we're talking about, this is the West Australian NPL. And these players that like Jason's got a life. Jesse's got a lot. Sorry, Kalichi. Appreciate that work. But, um, you know, <laughs> sorry, mate. But, you know, they, they've all got lives outside of football. And, and this this league cannot be your No, on it, like, mate, look. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, anytime I'm, we talk about this, uh, yeah, I, I just want to make clear that. Cheat, like, it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and we love absolutely every single one of you because it's it's really the players and you know guys like Mark that come on and and chat with us that that make it who we are and you know Jason came on and Phil came on last year and yeah we 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 do just love you guys a bit so I just wanted to yeah throw that in there. In terms of on the pitch, their last two games are Bayswater uh, away and then Perth Glory at home, and that is. A, a they difficult, probably need four points. It's a difficult one because you're not sort of – I know Glory have sort of jumped a little bit clear. They were the team that could have potentially been around their station that they could have caught. Um, the reality is is that you've got Inglewood playing Coburn this week, so one of those teams is going to pull clear. Um, I think Armadale are playing – sorry, Balcata are playing both Armadale and Coburn um, at the bottom as well. So they've kind of got it in their own hands as well from their perspective. And worth mentioning as well, like they're still in it as well, Balcata, yet they're three points off fourth and they've doubled their points tally from last year. So it, it's stunning really um, when you think about it that they could still get relegated having doubled last year's points tally in total. But How um, great is it that – how great is it that we've got that second – relegation playoff spot as well like how much excitement has that added honestly no it's terrific and I think it's probably one of the best things that the initiative that came in this year and the playoff it's going to be so cool because I'm not sure about Tommy but I'll definitely be at Nashville this weekend watching Mandra and um, Western Knights play for the opportunity to well for for, for Western Knights if they win they probably win the league Um, they do yeah they do win the league and and if, if Mandra win it goes to the last day of the season and it becomes a playoff as well. So huge, huge credit and kudos to Football West for that because, a lot, again, a lot of people are more than happy to slag them when they do something bad or when they think that they've done something uh. bad. So let's give them some credit here. Um, uh, really quickly, uh, five-second predictions. Tommy, who wins the league? Red Star now. Sean, you've already said Red Star. Red Star. Who goes down? Laureate and no, you know what? I'm going to say. Well, just who comes Floriot last? Who comes last? Oh, okay. I'll say Floriate stay up in the playoffs. I'll give you a bit more bang for your buck. Uh, and oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to Tommy here and sit on the fence, mate. You, you guys go, and I'm going to think of an answer. I, I just worry for Floriate on the fixture now. I think um, against the Bayswater team, who've got top four to play for, and against the Glory team. Well, Glory may be safe, um, pending on this week's game with Red Star. Um, you just never know. So, um, it, it, I, I think. I think the without wanting to sit on the fence like Sean, I think there is still a lot of water to go under the bridge. But this is, uh, this is the this is the longest five second answer no, I've ever heard. No, but my crystal ball is cleared as well. By the way, but no, but Tommy, a, you finish off. But my crystal ball is cleared. I know what's going to happen. It, it's just a perilous position for Florida. I think that that's all. Considering the run of form, the, the goals that they've been struggling to score, but 
it can turn on at any time in this league. We've seen that before. We've seen of teams get surprising results say, this season. Of all the people to say that's it, Florida going down, I did not think it would be Tommy Dolman on our own podcast, Kalichi, saying that I just it's perilous they're going down. He said it. He's called it. And also, Did I actually I say, that? say my, my crystal ball, my crystal ball has cleared and you are right. Tommy Florida are going down. It's Coburn that stay up via the playoffs. So the cockerels. Uh, take that as your Sean Stradamus prediction. They stay up in the playoffs. So is that the cockerels versus potentially the dolphins in the playoff? That's the, <laughs> it's just what a, game. Oh, what a battle of the animals. Eh? Or the Knights. <laughs> Jeez. Um, oh, well, you look- know, the Knights are going to beat the cockerels just because they're going to stab. It's going to be dolphins versus cockerels. <laughs> I can't pick that one. Imagine, imagine that. That's got to be the the animal battle for the ages, the, the dolphins and the cockerels. I don't know how they even start because I don't think either of them are good in the others. Kelly, she save us from this ranting. Uh, all right. So we are going to go into a, a quick interview that Josh had um, with Stuart Matthews, Executive Vice President of uh, Goldfields Australia, who are a major sponsor of, uh, of Football West. Um, and Josh has a, a, a conversation with them in terms of their plans with, with Football West, um, what they're thinking of doing um, with their sponsorship, how they can help improve the grassroots, um, and also, also, a little bit of golf fields and Kalgoorlie love because uh, whenever he gets a chance, he mentions uh, the golf fields and Kalgoorlie. So we'll have that interview right now uh-huh. and we'll be back with uh, Amateur Hour. Soccer, yeah. Okay, what do you want? I'm not buying first glory. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking for an owner right here. So you might. So you might uh, well, you know my history, but uh, yeah. you, you might not be aware I've got a, a soccer podcast in Perth, so mm. I was keen to, to know how you're feeling about the um, the Football West partnership, sort of what 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 the sort of spend there is, and, and what the chances are that that sort of keeps going into the future with them having the new football centre. You know, are there other things that you look for in that partnership that you're not getting at the moment? Um, we, I think it's been a pretty good partnership. I think on our side, I'd like to, I probably need someone to replace uh, Eddie, you know, like we had, because Eddie was pretty passionate about the deals, you know, about that. That's great. Yeah, and so we need someone like with his passion to probably take a run from our side on that. We, there's no plans at the moment to stop uh, that support of Football West at all. How much longer does the deal currently run for? I think we extended for a further three years, and uh, yeah, and then we have another look at it. But uh, we also added more money for the development office there, of course. <laughs> About the one down here. Yeah, in Kalgoorlie. Yeah. Um, so when was the extension? When did you sign the extension? It was probably 18 months ago. I think it was the start of last year. We so extended. I think we've got another year and a half to run. So there's like another year and a half to run now. Yeah, I'm not sure. When do you start discussions with Football West about that? Because I know, you know, I know. Oh, we'd start it. Oh, we'd start it. No, we'd start it. No, we'd start it on your year. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how do you say those are going? Is there anything else that they're sort of after with it? Is it more funding for the state teams, or are you more interested in getting more funding to the regions? Uh, we would we would look a bit of both. I, look, I think it's quite. We get great branding out of the state teams at all levels. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And um, but I think really we we like the investment in the regions. We looks like when we were asked about the support of a development officer in Kalgoorlie, we thought, well, yes, because we've got a whole lot of people that actually live around Kalgoorlie and Canberra and that. Yeah, I <laughs> you saw this the story about uh, Tanika Lala who came from Kalgoorlie, she was in the TSP program here, mm. that was um, set up with the, the Goldfields funding, uh, mm. and uh, she's from there she's moved to Perth to the, the NTC program, and she's now, in the, uh, she's now in the Perth Glory team. You know, what, what does that, that mean for you as a company out here that, that sort of, I guess, played a role in that journey? Well, it's great because, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, uh, in a big region like Kalgoorlie, where soccer's got a bit of a following, with, there wasn't really any support for, like, a permanent support for a development type person to help develop schools, and that's a great outcome. That's only one of hopefully there's a few more. <laughs> It'd be great to see more players come out of the region. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, would be. Today, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks.
And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's Gate. All right. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Stuart, as well. Um, and I've got to play this one more time. We'll wrap this up with Amateur Hour because it's uh, it would be remiss for, remiss for me to do this. And it is... Was it a boy or a girl, Kalichi? Uh, it was a boy, Shaunton. It was a North Perth boy. Oh, always a naughty boy. And um, and look, this is this is a, again. I, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know that I don't like to bring up North Perth. It kind of gets brought up, and I get to have to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but something's happened this weekend in the game, and yeah, it needs to be spoken about. But basically, I'll paint the scene for you, give you the entire full context. Um, about. 10 minutes to go, North Perth, we're playing Quinana away. Quinana have had some really good results. We're top of the league. They're about 11th fighting for their lives. Um, we're 1-0 up after a terrific goal by Jason Barrera, and um, we do not deserve to be 1-0 up, but again, deserve's got nothing to do with it, right? Um, and so the ball gets played into midfield. Quinana win the header, but I think they have a clash with one of their other players. Um, we win the second phase, we win the third phase, and after winning the third phase, the ball's about to drop to our striker who was through on goal. Um, as he touches the ball, the referee blows the whistle and says, hey, we need to bring it back for this head clash. And we're all going, what on earth has happened here? Because, mate, it's been first phase, second phase, third phase, and he's about to touch it. He's through on goal. Um, but then in the 90th minute, 92nd minute, um, they win a corner. And we've got to play on the ground, and we're all going, ref, ref, ref. And uh, we hear a whistle. We've, and again, this is my recollection. We've got the VO coming up and we can do all of that. But again, that doesn't necessarily matter here. Uh, we hear a whistle. The player, we see the ball go in, a strike, they score. And we're all like, we're going to retake that. There was a whistle. And the referee goes, nah, I uh, whistled to confirm their goal. We're all incredulous, absolutely incensed. It's the 92nd minute of the game. We just conceded on the midweek game uh, to, to go out the cup, um, the 92nd minute as well. And so we're all like, what on earth has happened, right? And Mehdi Galami, um, who is a terrific striker, he has had a bad reputation uh, previously for getting involved and in, in doing dumb stuff. Um, and he charges the referee and he's like, you and I'm again, I'm, I'm behind him, but I'm also like literally I'm, I'm sat down going, how on earth have you called that? Um, and he, he goes to the referee. You disallowed my goal for a head injury. You've let this happen. Our guys on the ground. What's going on? And he kind of like touches the referee's shoulder. And, um, and the referee is Walter, good referee, referee who we have good memories with because obviously he was a referee when we won the cup. Um, and he's like, what are you doing? And he gives him a yellow card. <laughs> Mehdi's lost his freaking mind. He jumps up and he smacks the yellow card out of the referee's hand. And the referee goes, fair enough, I don't need the yellow card anymore. Here's a red card. <laughs> Rightfully so. Now, Mehdi's been sent off and he's just, he's lost his mind. It all hell's broken loose. Our coach is on the field. And again, it's a complete total lack of composure at this moment. But you can understand from where we're sitting, this is just injustice kind of thing, right? And so we grab, get him off the field and I'm just going... Walter, can I speak to you? Walter, can I talk to you? Luckily for me, people think I'm a nice guy, despite the white line fever. And he was like, Kalichi, I blew the whistle to confirm the goal. And I'm like, mate, there is no way on earth that we would be complaining. Or And he's like, no, 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 no look, we blew the, riff, the whistle to, 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 to complain about the goal. Your players attacked me. And I was like, look, so sorry, blah, 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 blah. Let's get him off the field. Um, and so we kick off and it's full time. And then the worst thing that Mehdi does is he charges back on the field. So from, from our perspective, stupid, naughty boy, deserves this three-match ban. But then he jumps back on the field. There's six games left, and I don't think he'll play again for the rest of the year. And again, rightfully so. But that is the full context, again, from a one-sided perspective. The VO will come out once it all gets sorted out. We had technical difficulties, so we couldn't do it all recorded live. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what's happened. So we've got a naughty boy who probably won't play 
again for the rest of the year and might miss out the first four games of next year. And rightfully so, don't touch a referee. Rightfully so, if the referee's giving you a yellow card, do not smack it out of his hand because it'll be a red card. And then you can't come back on the field after you've been sent off. Um, so yeah, uh, Sterny, I know that you, you thought that I might not speak about this, but again, I'm more than happy to speak about stuff. It's just I don't like bringing up North Perth because I already have a podcast and people think that I'm egotistical already. So there's no point talking about us all the time. But yeah, uh, that was a, the naughty boy from the, the amateur hour. Any any thoughts or comments on that one, boys? No, uh, uh, honestly, I the, the older I get, I I just do, I, I less and less understand, but primarily like the tribalism of sport and the fact that, you know, your teams can be so wound up to hate other teams. Um, and, and then like, just the, the fact that, like I said before, we're talking about the, the MPL, which is a, a much, much higher level than you're talking about. And I'm saying if people need to go on holidays for their life. They need to go and do it because this league can't be your life. It can't be that important. And when you take lesser leagues so, so much to heart that you get that angry. It's a good about, thing that men aren't as emotional as, as women at football, Sean. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's what people keep saying, that, that, that women are more emotional than men. But from all the football I've seen, it, the <laughs> fact that, you know, we, we did talk about tongue-in-cheek that the fact that these referees are humans, but they are as well. Like, they're just there so f- primarily for the fact so that you can play this game that you take so seriously. And to act so petulantly, like I've, I've watched Matty a couple of times, absolutely love him, but that's uh, it's an absolute disgrace. And and you and he shouldn't play again for the season. And, and uh, yeah, and I'm happy to say that. Yeah, man. It, look, it, it again. I I I do the entire context because I know the guy. He's become a, a father for the first time. You know, I, I I train with him, and he honestly is like the happy larrikin, like. Like if you were to speak to him and understand the stuff that has gone on in his life, the guy was like a refugee to come mm. to the country, right? Like you understand the stuff that has yeah. happened in his life. You, you'd think that this person has had no problems in his life, right? And he is the happy yeah. larrikin who's always trying to do like nutmegs. He is incredibly selfish and we love him for that because that same attitude was the attitude <laughs> that he had where we were like, look, we're playing bottom of the league in a couple of weeks. We want to rest you. And he's like, no, I want to be finished top goal scorer. If I finish top goal scorer, it'll be good for the club. So you, you've got that kind of leadership there. But then at the same time, we got knocked out of the cup and he was the one who posted the video of him scoring the goal despite us being knocked out of the cup. But I'm like, bruh, like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> no, but again, that's the sugar and salt you have to take. But, right, but but let me let me add as well there. So so obviously I give you give the context that the referees are human beings and that we all need to understand this as well. But you you add that extra layer that you know these players are human beings as well, and and maybe it's become this channel, and I think it does for a lot of people that you you vent all your rage and frustration out on the Sunday afternoon or the Saturday afternoon, depending on how good you are. Get therapy, and, guys. Get therapy, and then that allows you that'll yeah exactly, but that allows you to lead a, a normal life, but. But carrying on like that and, and you know, it, it is essentially, you know, you, you can make light of, of the fact that, you know, the contact wasn't great or whatever, but you're essentially assaulting someone uh, while they're just trying to do their job so that you can play their game. And, and I think anyone that does that needs to just have a look and a think about what they're doing. Um, but, but you're absolutely right that to, to add that human element to the player side, but you're even more right to say like therapy or or. Get, finding another way to channel that that rage is a much healthier way to do it. Oh, man, but like, yeah, it's again. I don't want to make this the North Perth hour, but it was just it was just like, sorry, we've we've. I'll show you guys a video of, of the game of a, of, a, of a dogzo from the week before, but I could completely see his mind being like, "That's injustice. That's injustice again," and like, and I didn't get my goal because of this injustice, and now we're dropping two points, um, and the league is so tight now. So that means it's. We're now second on goal difference to Emerald, who are top, um, and East Perth are now three points back. Um, so it's 34, 34, 31, but Emerald and East Perth play each other. Um, so for the people who are Morley fans listening, you don't want East Perth to win because I'm pretty sure East Perth will have the facilities to go into <laughs> <laughs> interstate tip too. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so given that context of be like, yeah, I can see why he lost his ever-loving mind. And I've never, like our coach came and he was practically playing centre midfield at that point, like when he, when he came onto the pitch. So it was just, it was just 
like loss of composure all around. And even in myself, right? Like I'm, I'm usually the person who was going, hold on, get him off the field right now because he might be sent off now, but we don't want to lose him for the rest of the season. But I'm sat on the ground being like, what on earth has just happened here? And not doing that Rafa Benitez moment or the, or the Jose moment where you're like, no, 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 let's bring on the other defender and, and, and make sure that we leave with the point and no one else getting sent off kind of stuff. But anyway, that's it. So but yeah, then, Sunday I, League I, people, I hope you're happy. You've, you've got your your reference and uh, you got the story and all that kind of stuff. So remember, be careful and be kind to people, man. Like you don't know what the stuff that they're going through. And, and again, hopefully we still have Walter again as a referee because he is a good referee. And I just think, I just think that that call is something that he might look at and, and want to have again, but we all make mistakes, man. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's my final point is I, I just come back to like, you, you look forward in your life in 15 years time and, as whether or not you won this yes, Sunday league yes. game, I, I, we'll be getting Matter, drunk. You know? we'll be, we'll be, have you not seen Friday Night Lights, mate? <laughs> <laughs> God and football uh, in Texas. Uh, any last words, Tommy yeah, Dolman? No, nothing further. Um, other than just bring on the last two weeks of the season. I can't wait to watch oh, this all unfold. Chilies, Tommy. Yeah, up the tillies, though, up the tillies. Oh, yeah, that as well. But I thought that didn't need um, any last didn't words. Need, yeah. d- didn't need any last words. Any last words, Mark? I did promise that I'd give uh, Darren Quincroft a shout out. Um, <laughs> Darren's had six clubs this year, so I'm hoping that Darren finds a, a permanent home next year. And the door is always open to be Robbie's assistant to the assistant manager next year at Red Star. Oh, that's so. the one thing I forgot to ask you. Um, if 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 you were to do like a <laughs> happiness index um, between between Callum and Robbie, who who would be the the happier of the two? Because again, the, these are pe- two individuals known for their joy. Callum's definitely happier than Robbie. Robbie's always grumpy. Callum is happier. Callum is definitely happier than Sean. Robbie. Didn't didn't Darren Urkel score three and and they won six one and Callum outrageous. was like upset after thirty this seconds. Is, this is like this this is the this is the the fact that we only see the behind the scenes. So we only see Pep Guardiola yelling at uh, Erling Holland after he scored a hat trick. We we only see that. We we don't see the real Callum. You know, I'm pretty sure that's the real, real Callum. Robbie, mate. So. Yeah, that is the real Callum. <laughs> what I will say that the happiest is definitely uh, is, is Davy Butters. Butters is definitely the happiest. So I think. All right. Any, yeah, Robbie's definitely grumpier than Callum. I'll give you. <laughs> any, any, any words from you, Sean? Yeah, I, the, my final point was this. I, you didn't notice the little Goodwill Hunting reference that Mark slipped in. I, I, I saw what you did, Mark, when he was talking about Chuck Dow, and he was saying basically if all the Red Star staff turn up in the morning and they go to Chuck Dow's locker and it's got a letter there saying went to see about a girl, they'd all just be like, you know what, you deserve it. You, you, you're better than this. Appreciate that, and uh, and and as usual, and as and as well, I don't know what to add after that. Um, and as usual, my last words are: remember, be careful and be kind while we still can. And uh, I'm reluctantly saying up the Tillies, mate, up the Tillies, because if the Tillies win, up the Tillies, if the Tillies win, then who's the only side? Who's the only side that, that beat them? <laughs> oh, go on, you good thing. All right, bye everybody. Toodaloo. Bye bye. See you later.